everyone, welcome to the first episode of Terrace Talk for the new season. Of course, we're not able to meet at the moment, so we are having, like everything else at the moment, to do this virtually over Zoom. I'm, I'm delighted that that allows us an opportunity, though, to get an opposition fan on, and that's a, a new feature that we've added. So I'm joined by Billy Dunford, Norwich City fan, part of the Revere End, um, also has his own podcast as well, and uh, Richard Cosmala, and he is part of the Andy Takes That Chance Huddersfield Town podcast gents um i hope we're both well i'm going to ask you before the before we start about the start of the new season and, and perhaps the surrealness of it because it doesn't quite feel like a, a new season does it richard from, from your perspective how strange is it going to be starting a new season but not actually being able to be there in person it kind of feels like certainly from my perspective like it's kind of cast, passing us all by a little bit absolutely i'm uh... It's killing me, really, to be honest with you. I'm a guy who likes to go home and away, to be honest with you. So just feels... I think we all, obviously, you know, were delighted to get back last year, however it, it took. And obviously watching on iFollow and so your Premier League's then, so, you know, watching on your platforms. But I think let's just get through to the end of that season, get it done however we can, midweek games. It was surreal. And I know, obviously, we knew COVID were never going to go. And, and in fact, probably in the back of our minds, we... We knew it was still going to be around for the start of this season, but it just makes me feel really sad that, you know, on Saturday, the first game of any season, doesn't matter how you're feeling about your club, you're buzzing out, yeah, normally it's in August, so the weather's good, you're excited, you've got your new home shirt or a waist shirt or whatever, you, you, or a matter if you're home and away, you, you're going, and it just feels really flat to me. I'm, I'm finding it really difficult. I think, as well, we're not really sure on whether we're going to get back. There's obviously been a few trials in a few clubs and things like that as well, but I find it really difficult to, and I don't think it'd be any different if we were favourites for promotion. I, I find it really difficult to get excited about the season because to me, it's just another game on the screen that's coming up on Saturday in the same way La Liga coming back, Bundesliga, whatever. It's just another game we're watching on the screen. I want to live and breathe it. I want to smell it. I want to taste it. And I'm not going to be able to do that. And I could cope with it in the last season because I'm thinking, just finish that. But let's be honest, are we ever going to get back in anytime soon? I'm just not sure. No, I'm in agreement, particularly given uh, today's announcement surrounding sort of social distancing being cut back. It, it does feel like we're we're still away away from um, welcoming fans back in stadiums. Billy, how are you reflecting at the start of the season? Obviously, fans not allowed in the grounds. As Richard said there, at the start of a new season, everyone feels optimistic. Everyone feels hopeful, regardless of perhaps how you feel about your club. Everyone thinks that it could be their year. It's It's going to be incredibly difficult to, again, go back to empty stadiums and and lifeless football, isn't it? Yeah, I can certainly empathise with, with what Richard's saying. We all fell in love with football because of, of those routines that you fall into as a kid and then maybe as an adult when you start going to the pub and having a few drinks and it becomes more of a social aspect. I mean, I don't know, you know, I might be alone in my opinion, but for me, like going going back to Carrow Road and, uh, and sitting sort of two metres apart from Alfie, you know, who I usually sit with and, and not being able to go to the pub with my friends, have a beer, talk about the game, you know, sing on the Bull City, you know, that sort of stuff. I, that... If we can't do that, then and I'm sort of the opinion that I don't really want to do it at all. Um, I'm quite fortunate enough to have sort of a few friends and and we've had some great memories at home watching the games on TV. And I know that everybody isn't as fortunate enough for that and that, um, you know, football is a big social aspect for a lot of people. But I think I'm certainly sort of leaving, leaning towards the opinion that, you know, if we can't go back how we all how we all want to, and obviously that isn't safe at the moment, and, and rightly so, but until that day um, arrives, then maybe... I, I, I might just sort of step aside for a bit because I'm more than happy to watch the games at home, but I know everybody doesn't have that, share that same opinion and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Billy, I think, sorry, Richard. Sorry, go ahead. 
I think you're absolutely spot on there, mate. And I don't, I don't think clubs get this. So certainly ours, I don't think, gets it. Until away fans are back in and we were all back in, it, it's exactly what you said there. It will not be the same. Yeah. I think they're thinking that, you know, yeah, we can get 5,000 in or 10,000 in and we can sit two metres apart. I totally agree with you. It's not... I can imagine what it's going to be like without any away fans. I mean, there'll be people probably screaming at this, thinking, yeah, it's best of a bad job. It is what it is. But I'm, I'm like with you, and I know they've tried to kind of, I don't know, maybe seduce us and bring beer to your seats and all that. But I don't want that. I just want it back as it was before. And obviously, we can't. And yeah, I think we're just in, it's just such a strange time. And I think the biggest thing I've noticed with the fixtures, I could, I'm a bit of a badger. I could probably tell you the first two months fixtures normally of our season because you're planning your away trips, you're planning your home games, you've got your shifts off work, etc. I'm apart from we're playing you and Brentford, I'm struggling after that the yeah. two games because because you're not. It's it's just like you say, it's just a, another kind of game on screen. I'm totally we believe either back right or not at all. But unfortunately, I think they're going to have to try and phase it in with, you know, just as we saw at Brighton. I think it was is another game played mm. somewhere where distancing Cambridge, I think, wasn't it. How weird will it be when well, like away fans are not in? And <laughs> I mean, like Norwich, obviously, one of the more colourful away support, always sell their end out no matter what they're doing in, in the, what league. But yeah, it's uh, just feels we're so far off that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and as someone who's been, I don't know if I'd use the word fortunate, but I've been in games behind closed doors and it's. Um... It's it's not it just doesn't feel like football essentially and uh, I was having a discussion with with someone else yesterday actually and it, it basically saying that usually it feels like you're going to a football game and 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 your work is based around that whereas now it feels like you you are doing work and that's kind of it and it's the, the shift has been uh, has has been not nice particularly mm-hmm. right let's um let's talk about the the actual football on the pitch then. Um, Richard, I'm going to come to you first. Just give us a little bit of an insight into how Huddersfield Town's pre-season has gone because it's been quite turbulent, hasn't it? You've got a, a new manager in the dugout. Perhaps a, it came a bit to a, as, a, as a shock to everyone, really, to see Danny Cowley depart. Um, is it fair to say that we're seeing another rebuild at Huddersfield Town? Yeah, we just seem to be in constant rebuild, to be honest, at the moment, then. Kind of the natives are restless and it does seem to be kind of turbulent times. I'll be honest with you, Danny Cowley, he has split opinion, I think 50-50, to be honest with you, his departure. Yeah, he kept us up and I thought we were doomed, to be honest with you. When we took over, we were nine games in. I think we'd, we had won a game, John won, lost eight. But So he did brilliant to keep us up. The football were turgid, though, I'll be honest with you. It was awful. And, and while Danny Cowley, if he was on this you know, kind of Zoom call, would be shouting, well... I was doing it with not my own players and et cetera. I didn't see much evidence to me that, you know, the, the football were going to excite me anytime soon. Didn't play many of the kids. Again, you'd probably college shout back. He'd say, well, hang on a minute. We're in relegation battle. You can't bring them in. But I think that's the way we're going. So, yeah, uh, obviously the Premier League, hopefully you'll do it a bit better than us. The, the Premier League kind of season after you've, you've gone down. And I mean, you've done it a few times, to be fair. But we... Oh, you know, we've, we've still got players now who on ridiculous money. We'll probably talk about one of our ex-players as well who's done nothing for us, really, Alex Pritchard. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of doom and gloom around at the moment with the fans, as we speak now, Carl and Grant still order to a player, but I don't think that'll be for much longer. Steve Mounier, again, as we speak, order to a player, but that won't be as long. So you're losing your top two goal scorers from last season. Don't think we're going to replace them. We've got Danny Ward in from Cardiff, but yeah, it's turbulent. Uh, obviously chucking the COVID and you know the the money that we're going to lose for not having the fans in and stuff and at the moment it's yeah there's, there's not much optimism around uh, although the kids are getting blooded 
But again, as I think we saw last year with Middlesbrough, they, they had a strategy similar with Woodgate and it got ripped up, didn't it? Because they were on the verge of going down and they brought in uh, everyone's friend, Mr Warnock. So, and then they kept up. So they totally did a U-turn. So I, I'm happy with, you know, kind of better football. And we've seen that with, you know, I mean, we've had a weird pre-season. We've only played Bradford City, who haven't played a game for five months. So I don't think you could gauge much on that because obviously the lower divisions didn't start again. We played Manchester United under 23s. And and then, you know, kind of straight into the Rochdale game, which was a bit of a disaster, especially in the second half. So you can see a style he wants to play, wants to kind of bring it out from the back. He seems to be a little bit better on the evidence of three kind of little fixtures. But I think the squad looks so weak. It looks weaker than last year. And we only just stopped up last season. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit doom and gloom. But again, just the weird thing about COVID, the the window's got still a good month to go. So maybe if we're having this chat, maybe if the game is just about the end of October, we maybe have got some people in and it's a different conversation. But as I speak to you now, yeah, I can't say I'm really optimistic, especially for Saturday's game. And, and on the flip side of what you've just said there about, about squad issues, Norwich City have got, what, 32 first-team players, Billy. It's It's been quite a bizarre summer, hasn't it? We've seen 11 come in. We've seen only Jamal Lewis, really, as the major outgoing and completed his move to, to Newcastle United uh, on on Monday um, or was it Tuesday sorry uh, yesterday as, as we record this what have you made of Norwich City's pre-season in general I mean pre-season is such a horrible thing to try and draw any sort of judgment from but have you been impressed with what you've seen from from Norwich City? Well I think it was very evident the type of fixture they tried to arrange wasn't it I mean um, they evidently didn't go for those big you know they didn't try and play teams better than them because they wanted to improve that confidence. And, and I think that was the right decision. Um, there was a lot, there's been a lot of incomings. And I think at, at the time of speaking, like I'm fairly happy with all of them, obviously time will tell in terms of how they perform on the pitch. But um, I think you have to sort of applaud Stuart Webber that there's been very fast recruitment. I mean, I think pretty much only Gibson and, and Hugel didn't really get much of a pre-season. Hugel maybe a little bit more than Gibson, but um I think we've strengthened in all the all the areas that we were weak in. Um, I think it's a it's, it's a very valid point to make that Jamal Lewis's sale has allowed for the whole squad to be strengthened. And I was thinking about how often has a side been relegated and then been able to strengthen their squad. Um, whether that will be the case come it, what is it October the third or something that the, the final window shuts or around there. So whether that'll still be the case, I don't know. But at the moment, we have a far better squad than we did in the, in the Premier League, and I think you have to be sort of hopeful because of that. You know? Can I uh, can I kind of take over the presenters' role? Because the outside looking in, it I was stunned how kind of it went for you last season, and obviously you know one or two amazing performances, Man City being one. But does it worry you a little bit? I mean, kind of thinking from our point of view, you've got a big squad. Maybe you've got players who are a bit. You know, it's good to have numbers, but we had a lot of players who no interest in playing, wanted out. Is your camp a little bit kind of different? Does it worry you with so many, you're not going to keep everyone happy and then that discontent maybe kind of festers? Maybe, yeah. Think, yeah. Oh, go on, Connor, sorry. No, I was, I was only going to say, I think it's, it's really difficult to judge because obviously, there's, uh, as Billy said, with a month to go until, until the window shuts, you would hope that they're in a position to sort of reduce that squad. Um, certainly the the music or the mood music that, that came out of the camp from Germany was that actually there was there was quite a, a decent squad harmony there, but obviously behind the scenes we'll, we'll never be privy to exactly what goes on. Um, it is going to be very difficult, I think, for Daniel Farker to, to manage the squad in its current situation because 
they've got what 32 first team players you could quite feasibly see 10 of those not even see a minute of football in the opening 10 games so it's going to be a very difficult and, and very delicate balance to strike I think Billy what, what would you add to that? No I'd, I completely agree and obviously sort of historically Daniel Farker has like the smaller squad like he's never had I mean I'm thinking about the fullback options alone and, and I don't think we've ever really had more than two or three options across both 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 flanks so that's going to be a new dynamic um I was thinking about this as well. Like, there's probably a player in every single position across the pitch that, that, that I wouldn't say is dispensable. But say Norwich lost 11 players across all 11 positions, I still think you'd be fairly comfortable. And that is a, a sort of it's quite bizarre when you think about it. But um, yeah, I mean, we don't know how the dynamic is going to face. I think Stuart Weber and, and Daniel Farker want to cover their own backs and want to make sure the club is in the best position. And, and they're being quite brutal in in that regard. But um, the squad is in probably the best shape it's ever been in terms of quality since Weber arrived. But what they need to do now is, is trim it down. And, and we can talk about the sale of assets in some areas. And obviously Jamal Lewis, as you alluded to, has been sold. But for me, it's it, it, it's not even about that. It's about players like Damage and Tribal and Leitner. Um, and then maybe even if I'm being a little bit more brutal, players like Tim Close and um, Marcus Steeperman, I don't think they're good enough at the moment, which is a, which is a shame really. But we'll, we'll see how it fares. Your, your point there about having 11 players missing and, and being able to field a, a fairly decent squad is is probably evidenced by last week's EFL Cup game against Luton, wasn't it? Where, where Norwich had, what, 17 players out, I think 21 if you include injury suspensions mm. and those out of favour and still were, were able to field, certainly on paper, which looked like a decent side. Um, before we touch upon Norwich City's EFL Cup game, though, Richard, I thought I'd come to you first because Huddersfield Town also lost in, in the EFL Cup. I'm sorry to, to bring this up for you uh, against Rochdale, who have been sort of widely tipped for relegation in, in League One. So, on the surface, perhaps not a particularly great result. Um, what went wrong for, for the Terriers last weekend? Why did that game go so so badly for, for your side? Yeah, real disappointment, really, because, again, just weird pre-season games. Manchester United under-23s and the Bradford team. So we kind of went into that first test, like you said, they're you know, one of the favourites to go down for League One. I think the worrying thing for me, most of all, we you could see a little bit of identity that, you know, his new manager had kind of slapped on the team in the first two friendlies. Once kind of Rochdale pressed and Harry, that that soon went out of the window and we were kind of left with what we saw last season. Typical Achilles heel, the goal was a set piece. Uh, the keeper, you know, <clears throat> wasn't really to kind of blame on that, but he's been really poor for us. A guy called Ben Hamer, who's, oh, wow, I, you know, he asked most town fans about it and uh, they can't believe that he's still at the club and, centre-backs again caught napping it, it was worrying again toothless in front of goal one or two chances but not many and then I mean Carl and Grant and Mooney are not involved I think they were thinking that maybe we'll go by now but they haven't so yeah it was you were watching that especially the second half as kind of the game fell away from us we never looked like scoring and it was almost like watching a carbon copy of most of our games pre-lockdown in uh, last season so I think that's the thing it I thought it was a, I mean, they, they kind of treat it as a pre-season game, the club with kind of a lot of the chat coming out of it, trying this, that and the other. And, and yeah, like you said there, you know, your window's going to be different the next month, players out and in, and we've kind of got a right back since the game. But on that evidence, there was many people kind of turning off the eye for thinking, oh my God, did, you know, did the season have to start now and can't we have another month? So, yeah, I'm afraid the mighty Rochdale came out of the field and did a, did a job on us last week. 
How, how, how do you view those those EFL Cup games from a from a Huddersfield perspective? Because there's an argument, isn't there, that perhaps you don't want those additional games in your schedule, particularly given how intense that's going to be this season anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously we were not dreaming of Wembley, but I'm kind of one of the old school <laughs> wanting a... I mean, we always seem to get knocked out lower division team early doors. It's kind of standard, really. And I think this season, the way the game's gone, they had probably looked at it as another pre-season friend. I mean, we had a couple of guys who did get the COVID, so we had to cancel a couple of games in there. So I think we were meant to be playing Fleetwood in, in one of them. So, I mean, be honest with you, when most fans are not too fussed either with the, the League Cup, but you wanted to see... The Huddersfield team that were doing things differently to last season, you wanted to see the Huddersfield team look in the part. Obviously, with the impending games, we've got you and Brentford, which got a worse start, to be honest with you. Although, kind of to temper that, and kind of keep saying to me, when we did go up the 26 70, I think we had a horrendous start as well. But obviously, look how that turned out. So maybe things can be different. But I were wanting to see something going into Saturday's game that, you know, I'm sure you'll have a, had a scout there or you know, watching on TV if they can't get in the stadiums now. And you'd be thinking, oh, God, there's something to think about. But again, probably come on in a bit, but Alex Pritchard again, he would handed the captain's arm. I'm just, he's been such a disappointment for us, that guy. And I thought we were going to set the championship alight last year. Didn't. None the evidence so far. I don't, I don't see him doing it again. It's so frustrating because we know what he can do with your place and when he was at, at Brentford. So it's, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a reality check, I'm afraid, last week. Mm, yeah, we'll, we'll come on to uh, Alex Pritchard. I also want to ask you about Harry Toffolo, who's obviously at, at Norwich as well. So I'll come on to that in a minute. But Billy, just on the, the, the Cup game last week, there are probably a split in, amongst the Norwich fans in terms of how to view this because equally it is a 12th straight competitive defeat, isn't it? It's a, it's a club record now. It's obviously not a particularly great result for, for the PR element of it and how the club have tried to shift the narrative a little bit. But equally, there were so many players out. There were a lot of young players playing Ballymumba in press who signed from Sunderland in the summer. Um, how, how do you view that cup game? Because, as I said to Richard there, there's, there's some people that will want a cup run. And maybe there's an argument to say that, given the size of Norwich City's squad, it would have been a good opportunity to, to play those players who would perhaps be on the fringes. How, how do you view it? Because ultimately, the focus this year is on the league, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of discussions around and sort of the context of the game. Um, and whether like a league cup run would have been beneficial beneficial to Norwich, you know, winning winning a football match has never been a bad thing, as it. So that's probably the point that I'd take. I mean, you're you're completely right. There has evidently been a uh, sort of Norwich have tried to create this idea of a fresh start and a new era, and uh, losing three one to Luton and your first competitive game doesn't help. Um, I think when you're seeing sort of Alex Tetty have to drop him back to centre back and, and Tim Close or you know go off injured, you're you're thinking. This is the same old issues, isn't it? Unfortunately, um, and even if you have got X amount of players missing, it was still, still wasn't good enough. I thought the old garden and the senior personnel let us down, and I think the youth impressed. To be honest, like I don't think any of them set the world alight, but I think Barley Mamba, like you said, was was really positive. I thought Josh Martin had a good game. Um, even like Melbourne City, sort of like brief cameo. Um, and of course, the, the player that, 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 that sticks out for me is Kieran Dow. He's the one that sort of oozes quality. He really appears, you know, there's a lot that Norris is on a, a few different sort of type of players. You've got the Barley Mumbers and the McCallums who are, who are a younger age, and you've got the Hugels and the Ben Gibsons who are probably a little bit older. But for me, Kieran Dow seems to be that perfect blend of uh, being at that right age. He's had enough championship loans to know what this league is about, and he's coming into 
not necessarily his peak, but this is where he he needs to make this this step, doesn't he? And he needs to prove himself that he is is the player that that, that, that we all thought he would be, sort of in terms of his, his reputation. And I was so impressed with Kieran Dow, especially sort of playing out of position somewhat. Um, I thought he was excellent, to be honest. Mm, what, what what did you make of the performance? Oh, you said that there were some issues that perhaps you saw last season. I'd be inclined mm. to agree, but equally there there wasn't probably a lot in the game for well until Luton scored their first goal ultimately. Was there elements of the performance that you found quite pleasing? I Norwich did dominate the ball, albeit they probably struggled to create with the fluidity that we saw in that title-winning season two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say that there was, but it it, it didn't. Like Norwich still lined up with sort of Alex Tate and Lucas Rupp in midfield, which is okay, but like it still was quite reminiscent of last season. Um, although I did think Lucas Rupp actually had quite a good game, to be honest, which I think is is refreshing, but. Um, yeah, there there was elements to the game which which frustrated me. I didn't think Norwich created maybe enough chances. Um, there's a lot of discussion around Jordan Hugel and his performance, but maybe it raises a bigger question as to is Norwich City's sort of style of play fit for a target man? Like, a, a maybe that raises a bigger point. But um, I thought I'm not I'm not too worried. I'm not you know I'm certainly not that anxious ahead of Huddersfield. I think once you get everybody back um, and uh, you know you get the Max Aaronses back and, and hopefully um, a few of the you know the younger players that, that impressed last year then, then we should be okay but um, one to forget in my opinion that game. Yeah I, I would agree. Um, Richard let's, let's look at it to this weekend's game then. Um, you, you've mentioned Alex Pritchard a few times. Uh, I'm also keen to get your opinion on, on Harry Toffolo. How's he done since the step up from Lincoln City last season because he was obviously someone who won the FA Youth Cup with Norwich. He's someone that Norwich fans remember fairly fondly. How, how's he done stepping up to the championship? Been really good. Uh, really, really good. Uh, came at a time where we were crying out for a left back. Uh, we were kind of trying a couple of young guys and didn't really come off. Good. Yeah, definitely uh, going forward seems to be strength and that. I think Corbyn, the uh, new coach, likes his fullbacks to get forward. So I think he's going to enjoy playing under him. I think the only uh, development area really is uh, defensively. Uh, it's really weird, isn't it, being a full-back these days. They're almost kind of wingers out there. So, Toffler loves getting forward. A lot of the times, he, you know, kind of maybe get caught out. So, that's something to work on. But, yeah, definitely a tick. And, and one of the big positives, really, in a pretty grim season for Huddersfield Town, uh, Harry Toffler's signing. And uh, yeah, he's really good on, on little things like social media as well. He seems to be, you know, good character really positive person and, and things. And I think that kind of stuff endears him to the fans as well. And uh, so we've stolen Lincoln's chant off him when we remember them days when we could go in stadiums and chant. But yeah, <laughs> so no, good player, mate. And uh, it'd be fascinating to see how he develops this year under the new uh, boss. Mm, on the, just, if I could just intersect, sorry, on, on Toffolo, because I think it's really interesting you talk about um, the areas that he has to improve on, because in my mind, I remember Harry Toffolo playing centre-half in that FA Youth Cup sort of period, which is, I think is really interesting. So obviously, now you talk about that, actually, that's the area he needs to improve on. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, certainly. And, and on the flip side of that, um, you've, you've referenced him a few times, but Alex Pritchard, yeah, Daniel Farker, I remember, was, was absolutely livid that he, he left the club to join Huddersfield Town. And Norwich fans were, were certainly of a, of a similar opinion. Um, why hasn't it quite gone right for him? Is it system? Is it him? What hasn't quite clicked for Alex Pritchard? You know what, mate? I think every club, every fan has a, a player maybe in their supporting lifetime of the club where they're thinking, that player there, what a letdown he's been. And honestly, Alex Pritchard, I was so excited with his signing. To be fair, obviously came in the Premier League and we were 
on that downward curve in that first season and he, he's hit the ground running really well. I remember a game against Bournemouth where he scored, he looked the part, he's playing in that kind of hole where he's really, really good. Which never really happened, you know, since then. I, I think, I mean, you'll know him better than us, but he's kind of a niche player that needs to be, they need, they need to play to his strengths. Really. We've played him out wide a lot, which I don't think he is his forte. Uh, maybe he'll play kind of as a 10 under in this new style, but for one thing or another, it's just not happened. He's played a lot of times on the bench. It's hard to, I don't, I'm not a big body language connoisseur, but there's times you look at him and think, is he really up for the battle, especially last season? And uh, it's clear that, you know, he came with such a price tag and everyone that we spoke to that come, we can't believe we've got him. And to be fair, that, that first season, it was good. But, you know, it's for one thing or another, it's not happening. And I think the worst thing is it's, his early days, obviously, still under a new coach, but it doesn't look like happening anytime soon. But really, this guy should be at least getting us, you know, not ripping the division apart. But he is that good, isn't he, on his day? You saw him, and uh, it's just a mystery. I know, I think there's, to be honest, he's like a lot of our players, probably maybe all of them, that if someone was up for him, but he'd be on ridiculous wages with who's still paying the price from the Premier relegation. And I think some could get him if they, if they want him, but. Honestly, when I'll probably look back in, I don't know, 15 years, what I'll be a look back and we'll see players. I reckon he's easily in the top three of what a disappointment. But, you know, fingers crossed, maybe we do it for the, uh, this, for the away game at your place. And he's, he's starting to show what he's about. But at the moment, he's not. Yeah, you, you tend to, well, Norwich fans have a, have a saying, don't they, Billy? Along come Norwich, there's actually a, a fan group that's, that's named that. And it's um, basically the idea of it is that um, these players tend to break their runs and tend to impress when they haven't perhaps done so well against Norwich. So uh, it's, it's going to be intriguing to see how he gets on. Billy, that, 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 just to get your point quickly on Alex Pritchard, that doesn't sound like the Alex Pritchard that perhaps Norwich fans were used to seeing because I think overall Norwich fans were pretty impressed with him when, when he played um, at Carrow Road. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really get much time to impress under Farker and, um, you know, he had that injury, didn't he? And then returned to the side, impressed quite well, linked up with James Madison and Josh Murphy a few times, which I remember, and then, and then was sold. I mean, you talk about Daniel Farker being livid at, at the sale. I don't think he probably realised the quality that, that was coming in in his replacement in Emi Buendia. I mean, it, it's making me think about the whole Jamal Lewis saga at the moment and how many times we've we seen this as a player who's been sold for upward of, upwards of 10 million and, and, and a younger player's come in and it's day and night, isn't it? And uh, it's a shame with Alex Pritchard um, because I think, like you say, I'm sure Richard knows too well that on this day he can, he can produce quality. But yeah, I completely agree. You need, you need a system that fits Alex Pritchard and uh, Danny Cowley's style of play doesn't really strike me as the one that, that, that is going to get the best out of Alex Pritchard. Yeah, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. And it's a nice segue you've, you've given me there to ask. Um, Richard about Stuart Webber and, and perhaps what, what he makes of him because it was a fairly, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but maybe a, a certainly a little bit of a shock, this, certainly this side of the fence when um, Stuart Webber sort of rocked up at Norwich as, as sporting director. Um, what sort of impact did he have at Huddersfield and have you noticed, uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it, but have you noticed the club move in a, a different direction since, since he left? It, because it kind of feels like, and again, maybe this is harsh, and from the outside, it kind of feels like Huddersfield maybe have regressed in the last couple of years. I don't think that's for debate, man. That's fact, is that Stuart Webber, massive loss for us, your town. I honestly believe it, we couldn't match his ambition. I think that's why, you know, kind of went elsewhere. Uh, he's, he kind of followed Ross Wilson, who was a really good director of football as well. I think he went to Southampton, then Rangers after that, but... Yeah, 
fantastic signings. I mean, incredible promotion. It was, it was a bit sad, really, how it kind of all ended with Stuart Webber because he never really was there when he kind of just left, isn't he, before we kind of got promoted as well. But, yeah, really, every time you would speak, I remember him last year, I think he came on a BT Sport with one of the early uh, programmes with Jay Comfrey. I'm sure it was a, one of the lockdown ones they did on a Saturday. Fantastic, you know, kind of listen to him speak, his plans. He did a lot, didn't he, and kind of the media in the lockdown. You cannot fail to be impressed with the guy and look at what he's done. I mean, Huddersfield in the Premier League, I'd say, obviously, there were David Wagner and he was huge as well. But Sue Webb was such a key part, the signings that he brought in, been a huge loss. And there's no doubt about it, the club has, you know, gone down big time since he left. And no surprise to me that you got promoted. Obviously, it didn't go too well last season. But the fact that he's still around now trying to put the record straight, he'll learn so much, I think, from last season is all positive for you. But, yeah, ended acrimoniously at Huddersfield. But he'd done his job. He'd signed the players. He'd, he knew that. That's why he went. And don't, obviously, don't know kind of what salary's difference are and stuff like that. But, yeah, what a Stuart Webber will, even though he probably won't get the credit he deserves, he will be... When you look back in the book and others still getting the Premier League, he was such a big part of that. Absolutely huge. Mm, I, I know you guys are, are under new ownership now, so that, that's always going to bring about a little bit of change. But in terms of that sort of director of football, sporting director, head of football operations, however you want to label it, and then maybe a, a manager or a head coach, again, labelling up to you really. Is, is that something still in place at Huddersfield or have you shifted away from that a little bit? And if so, what sort of impact do you think that's, that's had on the club in, in general? Yeah, it has. I mean, we've got Lee Bromby, and who uh, I remember going to watch him play for you guys. You, I don't know if you remember him back in the day, David Ealy. I can't remember who you are. Mantua, I went to see him play for Norwich. Bits, uh, yeah, kind of. A, I'm a yeah, friend, friend of ours, a uh, friend of mine, and that as well. But so he's kind of had to football, but he's very inexperienced in the role. I think the thing we mentioned there was Stuart Weber and kind of Ross Wilson. They were, you know, kind of a little bit more experienced. And we've got a chairman as well who's kind of new to kind of football in the same way kind of Dean Hall was and, and that went well. So the guys are learning the game and I'm no doubt if they were on here now, they're probably saying we've made quite a few mistakes last season and hopefully, you know, they can put them right going in. But it's such a different club that we've lost key figures. Like say the chairman, Dean Hall, he's gone. Phil Hodgkinson's the new chairman. He's still getting to grips with the role. He's been, he's inherited a real bad situation. Really, obviously the COVID thing's changed football and uh, he bought the football club. We've been relegated uh, and after nine games, we'd had one point. So I think Phil made a good decision into uh, kind of getting rid of Jan Sievert, who was our first manager and stuff. So, yeah, it's totally different. You've got a new um, commercial guy in. There's a lot of people in who are new and it's showing really, I think, at the moment. A lot of people, are, there's not much experience in there. So the club is, to me, it's not as strong as it was, well, I think that's fact, really, for two, three years ago as well. So while you're looking to get back into the Premier League, probably straight away and with the squad and what have you, when we came down, someone asked me 12 months ago what they're expecting. And I said, I'll be happy to stay up. And people looking at me, what? You've just come down. You've got these players, that and the other. But I just knew, you know, I thought we'd be more of a Wolves and a Sunderland, you know, went through rather than, you know, someone who bounced back. And uh, not often I get something right. But yeah, last year was grim, but... You're just looking for the future, and at the moment, it's we're so. I really want to see more business done in the window before I can kind of talk us up. And I say up, I'm just talking to mid-table. Really, that's the height of my expectations this season so far. 
Mm. Let's let's turn our attentions to to Saturday's game then, Billy. Um, for, from Norwich's perspective, how important is it that there is well certainly a positive performance, but equally a positive result to back that up because it does kind of feel like if they do lose another game, bearing in mind their performances after lockdown and after the suspension of football and um, certainly how that was perceived amongst the fan base, it it could be quite damaging. So how important is it that they do come out of the blocks and maybe not show their ambitions, but certainly show their quality because there, there is obviously depth in terms of that squad and a depth in quality as well, which is something that Daniel Farker didn't have last year. It kind of feels like, excuses aren't going to be accepted anymore. No, 100%. It can't be a 13th straight uh, defeat, can it? That, that, that's for sure. I mean, it'll be interesting to see the type of side he goes for. Does he sort of bite the bullet and include players like Ben Gibson and, and maybe Jordan Hugel and, 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 and Shimislav Lakata and, and these new players that need to be blooded in? Or does he stick with the old guard and, and risk that that hangover of the Premier League is still present? I mean, it'll, it'll be fascinating. But I think personally... It, it, Norwich probably do need a result, but I think more importantly, they need a performance. But we need to see how this side has progressed over the last few weeks and, and what's going to be different this campaign. Because personally, I'm, I think there's a lot of talk about how Norwich are going to get promoted rather than if Norwich are going to get promoted. And that's a little bit premature for, me, for my liking. I think Norwich needs to look at the bigger picture. You can see what has happened to um, a side like Huddersfield and Richard will sort of like, you know, reference that. I mean... Norwich needs to be Norwich need to think about the long, long bigger term picture and, and and make sure that when they do return to the Premier League, um, when however many seasons, you know, in however many seasons time that will be, that that it's the right setup and the, and the structure is there because I think that's the most important thing for me. Mm. And and just in terms of 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 this weekend, how difficult is it going to be for Norwich to prepare for for a Huddersfield team with a, a new head coach in in Carlos Corbran, who we sort of touched upon, but. Someone who's part of Marcelo Bielsa's backroom staff at, at Leeds, essentially, it's it's going to be a little bit of of planning for the unexpected. Yeah, you almost wonder if it's worth watching highlights of Leeds last season as opposed to uh, watching Huddersfield because I mean, I don't want to put them in the same boat. It's a bit like the Arteta Guardiola saga and, and discussion, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how similar they are. I don't think even Richard would probably know. So it'll be interesting. Farker probably won't really know what to expect, and and you compare that to Norwich and Farker's entering his fourth season and. And for the most part, his football and philosophy and, and style of play has been pretty similar to what it always has been. So um, I think uh, Huddersfield will have the easier job in, probably in regards to the scouting and, and how Norwich will set up. Saying that, though, they probably wouldn't have watched sort of Shemislav Plakata too much or, or Jakob Sorensen if they feature. So there's an element of surprise surrounding Norwich as well, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice point you said there about Daniel Falker not changing too much. That was sort of my main takeaway from pre-season yeah. we saw slight alterations in the pressing but then we didn't see that at Luton so that was that was interesting and I kind of get the feeling it might be a, a sort of Norwich City 1.2 as opposed to the Norwich City 2.0 that some people are expecting. Richard you're, you're probably best place to give us a if, if you know too much about Carlos Corberan and, and his style of football from what was it three games I think that, that he's been in charge so far what can Norwich City expect first and foremost and as a second question, what are you expecting from the game and how do you see it panning out? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be, uh, we're going to be a lot more offensive than last season uh, under Danny Cowley. Uh, it's kind of a similar, the keeper very rarely will kick it out. He'll be kind of played to roll to, you know, to full backs and centre backs, which does worry me a little bit with, you know, our centre backs are really poor, to be honest with you. But yeah, I think we'll have a go. But the Rochdale game has really not me, to be honest with you, because you were telling yourself in them two friendlies, yeah, they're just friendlies, but there were evidence that there was a kind of a 
I don't know, a template and a style and stuff like that as well. They were give and go, one, twos, full-backs getting forward. But it'll be interesting, obviously, with you going down, whether how he thinks about the game, whether it's one of those... Cause it frustrated me a little bit, Danny Cali. He would he'll come on, he'd probably come in here and say, yeah, the end justifies the means. But there were certain games for me where we were setting up not to win. We were just going to try and edge a draw. We were time-wasting from half an hour onwards. They were horrible to watch. But but then again, do you want to be going with all guns blazing against, let's be honest, a, you know, kind of a team that's, you know, from the Premier League? I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't realise that you'd kind of, I know it's last season, but 12 defeats on the bounce and stuff. But I just can only see one winner. I really can't see anything but a Norwich win and, a lot of town fans are fearing, you know, could be a messy game, three, four, five or something like that as well. But I'd be stunned if we got anything out of the game Saturday. I, I think you'll win comfortably. Maybe 0-3, to be honest. It's interesting to hear that. That Maybe not lack of confidence, but maybe you would probably suggest realism. Um, I, I would suspect that Norwich City fans, given that overall Norwich don't particularly have a great day on the first day of the season either, Billy, will, will probably be a little bit nervous about this one in their own right. Just feels weird, doesn't it? Like speaking to an opposition fan and they're presuming we're going to win 3 0. I don't know how long it's been since, since that's been the case. It feels years ago, in all honesty. But um, yeah, 3 0 seems a bit generous for me. I think there's a lot of new players in and, and a lot of players who, who haven't played not only under Fark, but in the championship. So as long as we don't lose, I think I'd be happy, in all honesty. But um, yeah, Norwich have the quality you'd expect to pick up three points, but I, I presume Norwich would beat Luton and that didn't happen. So. Uh, yeah, let's just see how we get on. Can we just, just check on a job? Can we check on a job now, lads? I'll take that now. <laughs> yeah. Do some shopping and we'll watch some, another game. But yeah, no, I'll take your job. So yeah, we'll agree on that. That sounds good. Um, just, just finally, before I, I get your score predictions and, and let you guys go, um, Richard, I want to come to you about the championship as a division because it can be, as, as you guys have experienced, very harsh, um, very gruelling. It can be absolute carnage at times. And Billy said there, there has been perhaps a, a little bit of, maybe not complacency, but maybe um, it's reflective of Norwich City and how they've operated in this window from fans. A lot of expectation about them getting promoted. It's not as easy as coming straight back down and, and then reinvesting in the squad and having enough quality to go back up again, is it? No, it's really difficult. I mean, you made a good point, I think, at the start there that we're starting the season later. I think, am I right, since the 13 midweek games, there's something, it's something ridiculous, which is a lot more than normal. So that brutal, you know, kind of Saturday, Tuesday, which is more than ever in the Championship. Again, it, it really depends. I mean, you've got 32, the squad, but that could obviously be down by the, the windows shut. So you might need all them. That's my worry with those. I don't think we've got the squad and I don't think we will have the squad to kind of survive the rigours of a, you know, of a season as well. It, it'll be interesting, really, because Leeds obviously were stand out last season. They probably should have gone up the season before. You're looking around, you know, Cardiff, Brentford, obviously Virgil losing Watkins, new stadium, is that going to give them a boost or is the playoff disappointment going to kind of knock them? It does look there for you, to be honest with you, but it's, I mean, Daniel Falk, obviously, the difference between us and you is he kind of knows the division's got you up, he knows what it's about, he knows what it takes. Jan Siever, no idea, you know, in championship football and uh, obviously kind of as manager now, as inexperienced as well, so it's, uh, yeah, bring it on, but it's, more than ever, it's, it's going to be, you know, a tough season. And I think the key is, and we saw it a lot with Bielsa's leads, there's a lot of times you did watch them and you weren't blown away with the football, but they did a job. They get a 1-0. They didn't let any goals in. They did, you know, Bamford did what he did now and again and, you know, Hernandez. But that's all you need, a bit of quality, 
guy who can knock it in and keep it tight at the back. But with you, it's interesting because Jordan Hugo's always a guy I've always I've always liked to be honest with you. But it's in, I just when I signed, I thought is that really kind of a Daniel Farker player? So mm-hmm. I'll be watching him with interest there. But hopefully, yeah, he's quiet on Saturday. Yeah, I think a, a few Norwich City fans will uh, probably ask themselves the same question, particularly after that Luton game where they didn't quite bring him into into the game well enough. Uh, right then, guys, let's let's finish off by getting score predictions, which are probably the most difficult probably question to answer, I guess, given there are so many unknowns going into into Saturday's game in terms of Huddersfield Town having a new manager and Norwich City having effectively a, a new squad. Um, Billy, I'm, I'm going to start with you. How do you see this one panning out? I want to say 2-0 Norwich, um, but I, like I say, I think it'll be 1-1. Interesting. Richard, I'll come to you. You said 3-0 defeat. Are you going to stick that will be a bit more positive? Yeah, maybe 0-2, zero, 0-3. Zero, I, I just can't <laughs> see it because you look, where, where are your weapons to hurt you, mate? And Grant and Mooney have got all our goals. are not going to be involved. Where are we going to score? We couldn't even do it against Rochdale. So, yeah, maybe uh, maybe it's a West Brom scenario last year where you know I thought we were that were going to be a similar thing and out of nowhere... We ended up winning and kind of got leads up on the same night and that as well as a result out of the blue. So I'm hoping for another surprise. But when I'm sat there watching it on Saturday, I'm, you know, and if you win, I'm kind of walking around thinking I expected that. So sorry, it'd be a bit downbeat. Other still fans, if you're watching, but yeah, just say what I feel really. Norwich fans will certainly take a clean sheet given their uh, defensive frailties last season. Uh, Billy, Richard, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a, a really insightful sort of like half an hour or so. Um, Pinkin.com is, is the place to go. All your Norwich City news, opinion analysis, of course, will be at the game on Saturday as well. So you can uh, uh, follow along with us there. Uh, we'll leave all the links for Billy and Richard uh, down below if you if you want to follow them. Uh, if you're watching in video form, make sure you leave a like, subscribe to the Pinkin YouTube channel as well and if you are listening to this as a podcast same protocol go and subscribe um go and leave a review if you want all, all your standard podcast uh, procedures there's there's plenty of, of podcasts coming your way as well over the course of the season i think that is uh, that's my checklist in terms of plugging and and promotions uh, so that leaves me to say gents thank you very much thank you very much for watching and listening uh, stay safe and we'll see you all again very very soon